I wanna, uh, I wanna talk about hosting his presence for a little bit. We're, we're, we're talking about uh, our core value as a church. We have uh, the presence of God, prayer, transformation, and evangelism. If you haven't been with us in the past month or so, uh, we've been really talking about the core values of a ch- as, as our church, and uh, we are right now camping in the presence of God for this series uh, because we believe that the presence of God is powerful, that God's presence is real, that we can encounter God and have, and have that encounter and be an encounter for someone else. We also believe in um, uh, pr- prayer, that prayer is powerful, that prayer, uh, that God hears our prayer, that prayer changes things, and that the presence of his prayer is powerful. And so uh, we also believe in transformation, that we can be transformed by the Holy Spirit that we can be sanctified, we can have deliverance broken over us, like we can be delivered from demons. Come on. And the world can be delivered from demons by the power of Jesus Christ, by his Holy Spirit. And so we believe in this, uh, we believe in healing prayer, I forgot to mention that, but um, we believe that you can pray for the sick and that they can recover, and we've actually seen that. I'll share a testimony today. But also, um, we believe that this transformation is not behavior modification, but it's actually the Holy Spirit doing a work in your life. Um, and we talked about how gazing into his glory actually transforms us. And then uh, finally, we believe in evangelism because he's just too good not to share. And that's not just about your life and about um, you just getting all, all that you want. But, you, you know, when you experience his presence, when you see prayer answered, when you see your life transformed, how can you not share about the Lord? And so we'll talk about that later in this year. Uh, Today we want to read uh, from Psalm 16. We'll just open up to that in just a little bit. But when it comes to his presence, we're talking about hosting his presence in a lot of different ways. And we're going to continue to kind of expand upon that. Um, And the Lord really challenged me personally. He's like, Paul, uh, how do you host the presence? I was like, I don't know, God. When you ask a question, you're really not asking for my answer. I don't know is a great answer to God. What do you think, Lord? And, and, and he really challenged me because it's, uh, and he kind of took me through this progression of, of how I host people in my house. And hospitality is a big deal in the kingdom of heaven, but being hospital, hospitable to the Lord. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, he's with you. He's inside you. He reigns inside you. He's, he's living with you. You are a temple of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul talks about this in Corinthians, that you are a temple of the Lord. The, uh, uh, Jesus talks about it, uh, I believe it's in Revelation. It's, Lo, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens, I'll come in. And, and, and so this is a, you know, this, there's this image here of Christ coming inside us, us being hosts of his presence and, uh, and so I, I was telling the Lord, well, you know, usually when I host someone, you know, I'm really going out of my way to make sure they feel accepted. I, they ring that doorbell, I answer it, I have this big smile on my face, come in, come in, I invite them in, I make them feel relaxed, do you want to wear shoes, do you not want to wear, whatever you want to do, you want, can I hang up your coat for you, I, I try to, my wife as well, actually, she's better than me, but, but, you know, just making them feel, and I don't, have you ever had someone stay at your house for more than just one meal? It's a different kind of experience. You know, it could be a loved one. It could be a really close friend. And they say, hey, can I use your house for a few days? Sometimes it's a month. Sometimes it's supposed to be a month. It ends up being six months. 
Have you ever experienced that? Because that's a different kind of experience because I always find that in the beginning, I'm really, really gracious. I really go out of my way to make sure they feel appreciated. I'm like, you know, we're so excited to have you and we're making them French toast and pancakes and bacon. I mean, we're getting it all out, you know? And we, we don't mind their mess. We don't mind how they do things, even though they do things different than us in their daily routines. We don't, that doesn't bother us at all in the first few days. But after about a week, you kind of like feeling something inside. And all of a sudden, you're not offering French toast and eggs and bacon. You're offering like, you want Wheaties? <laughs> you're starting to say, hey, it's in the pantry. Just get it. You start going, um, hey, do you mind um, washing your dish and putting it in the dishwasher instead of leaving all the dishes for me to do? <laughs> After a while, you might even not even, you ignore that they're there and you just start doing your life and just letting them do their life. And, and I, I find that the longer that I have this guest in my house, sorry for the guests ever watching, It's just a fact of life. You just kind of like, you start counting when they're leaving. Oftentimes in our life with Christ, we are committed to host his presence in the beginning, but after a while, we don't engage like we should our guests, and we don't, because actually he's no longer a guest, he resides there, but we don't start conversations with him anymore. We, we don't seek him in our answers. We we treat him as a guest who's just been there too long sometimes. And I just want us, and I want the Lord to kind of make us fall in love with our first love again. And say, man, I, Jesus, I just want you to know, maybe I haven't told you in a while, I'm so glad you're with me. I want to start this conversation with you. I want to engage with you with my life because you're, you're with me. I want to host you well. We're talking about Psalm 16. I'm gonna read it for you, you know, read it with you, and we'll have some slides. But Psalm 16 is an interesting uh, psalm. It's, uh, it's, it's called a messianic psalm because the ha second half of it is actually prophesied, uh, uh, is a prophecy of Jesus. Peter, when he's preaching at Pentecost in Acts 2, uh, verses 24 through 32, we're not gonna go there today because it's literally Psalm 16. Yeah, Peter is actually pointing to the passage we're about to read as uh, the savior of the world, prophesying of Jesus. And, uh, and so it's a messianic psalm. It's also called a miktam. If you look at your Bible, if you brought your Bible or if you have a digital Bible, it'll say a miktam of David. Now there's only six miktams of David. Uh, psalm 16, which we're about to read, and then Psalm 56 through uh, Psalm 60 is also a miktam. And miktams are um, like, uh, some consider it like a, a, a golden psalm, like it, it, what they mean by that is like, if, if this was a song, it would be on the top 10 playlist, top six playlist. Really, they, they're not quite sure what miktam means. Uh, that's why it's still in Hebrew. It's not translated into English. And so it's actually, they don't have the original meaning. They just have like words that are similar to it. And so this is how they're coming up with this. But um, this is during a time when David is in exile. He's running from Saul. He has already been anointed king uh, by Samuel, and uh, Saul is still king. And so Saul, uh, not with his heart with the Lord, is now had let evil fill his heart, and he's basically trying to kill David. 
And so David's cut off from any wealth. He's on the run. He's not with his family. And he writes this psalm. He says, preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. As for the saints in the land, they are excellent ones in whom all is my delight. Now, if we want to break down this um, these few verses, you know what, I'm just going to read all of them and then we'll break them down. The sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply their, drinking, their drink offerings of blood. I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. The Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. It's funny to say when you're on the run. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand and I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh also dwells secure for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol or hell or let your holy ones see corruption for you have made known to me the path of life and in your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. What a beautiful psalm. In the presence of God, in the presence of Jesus is the fullness of joy. The joy that needs to be full in your life doesn't come from any earthly source. It comes from him. It comes from actually hosting his presence, actually being in the presence of God. Let's start out with verse, first few verses. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord, and I have no good apart from you. These first uh, two verses, uh, the, the, the uh, psalmist David, when he's writing this, he's recognizing that he needs the Lord in all of his life because out of all the circumstances that's going on while he's on the run, while he's fending for his life, while he has these prophetic promises over him and they're not coming to fruition, it seems like the opposite is happening. He still recognizes my only safe place in this whole world, God, is actually with you. And I'm like the one who, you know, I... You know, Sometimes I'm like, God, do you really want me to be a pastor? Because sometimes I don't have that instinct. When, when tragedy comes, when things that are difficult uh, uh, all of a sudden are in front of me, I still have the temptation of taking refuge in something else. And you're like, oh man, maybe I just need to make more money or maybe I need to go uh, talk to this person or maybe I need to help this. And, and, you're, and you're finding that that your source actually isn't him. You find sources in other things. And what makes that manifest is oftentimes tragedy, trouble, conflict. It's like, wow, where is your refuge now? Is it God? Now, he, he also says, I have no good apart from you. And, 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 and uh, in the King James uh, Version, it says this. It says, um, oh man, let me find my notes because there we go. You are, he says, you are my, my Lord. My goodness is nothing apart from you. In King James, it says, my goodness extendeth not to thee. But Hebrew scholars translate it like this. If you just read it out in Hebrew, it'd be more translated. Thou art my Lord. You do not need my goodness. See, people have this weird understanding thinking that that 
there is good apart from God. And even in, in, a, in a secular sense, people who are unbelievers, who are not Christians, will see goodness and be like, well, I'm, I'm not a believer. I don't believe in God, and I see goodness, so therefore, goodness is apart from God. But the reality is, is that this world was created by God. And after he created it, he called it something like this. He said, it is good. Everything that God creates is good. It's all goodness. When sin entered the world, perverseness came into the world. And so things that are good are from God. Things that are perversions of good are not from God. The reality is, is that if you take away God, the whole world would be gone. If you take away total goodness, the whole world would be gone. If you take away just sin, his goodness remains. The reality is, is that we can recognize goodness of God. I mean, there's, there's things that are, are, are recognized as joy. You know, it says in his fullness, uh, uh, is the full, in his presence is the fullness of joy. And the same word they use is that, you know, there's several different iterations of the word joy in the Bible, but oftentimes they're synonymous with godly joy as earthly joy. But with the type of joy they're talking about is like joy that you find when you see a child born. You don't, you don't need to be a Christian to see the goodness in that. But you know, it, you know, we know that it was the Lord who's created this. So we see the birth of a child, we say, man, what joy that is. I could, you know, I was, I was listening to a, um, a, a, a top level biologist and he's agnostic at best, but he says one of the biggest challenges to him believing in God is studying the cell. Because as they zoom in on the cell, they're finding the actual structure, even inside the DNA, the DNA uh, is so complex and so um, uh, organized as almost like a, 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 what we would write as a computer program that it's hard not to believe there's no creator. It challenges him. And one of the, one of the uh, awesome, uh, he is also a top-level biologist from like Harvard and all this stuff, um, the top level medical schools. His name's Stephen Bell, and he's wrote uh, awesome books on the quantum of the cell. And he talks about how these cells do point to a creator. It's wonderful. But the goodness that we see in the world, we can recognize that's from God, but that's only a certain level of joy that it gives you. Let's keep going. It says, For the saints, in the land, they are excellent ones in whom all is my delight. And the, the uh, uh, psalmist David is writing about all the ones who are actually following the Lord with their hearts, their pure hearts, uh, because there's others in the land who are not following the Lord. And, uh, and so he's, he's just talking about the joy that he has uh, thinking of those who are following the Lord. And then he goes to the opposite. He says, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings of blood I will not pour out or take their names on my lips. This is like really interesting that he talks about this because he's showing this dichotomy where there's people who are living faithfully for God and then there's other people who are living faithfully to another God, a false God, a God that leads to destruction and death but they just don't realize it yet. They see the potential of goodness, and, and you know, because 
remember I said that the sin perverse everything? Like the devil can't create anything. God creates. God's created everything that you've seen in this world. It's God who creates, but the devil, what he does is he makes fraudulent things of God's creation, or he perverses it. So something that's beautiful, holy, and good, oftentimes the enemy will turn it into something that's so horrible. And so, um, and so he, he's a perversion of that. Now the God of this age, the number one God that the um, people who were not following the Lord were serving was a, a God called Dagon. Has anyone ever heard of Dagon? He was a horrible God. He's a, he's a, 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 he, we don't have actual biblical context of the Israelites worshiping this God, but they worshiped gods that were under Dagon. See, Dagon, it was like the Zeus of the Palestine. Uh, Palestinians. He was like the Zeus of the Babylonians, the Zeus of the Assyrians. He was the top false god of their gods. And under this god, they had uh, gods of Baal, and there was another god that we found that Israel worshipped as an idol. And um, But Dagon was a, a, a kind of a crazy god. He was part man. His upper body was man, if you look at his pictures, and his lower body is a fish. That's right, they served a merman. This is who the Philistines served, the merman. And, there, and if, you, if you know the story, uh, the Philistines actually, at one point, because the Israelites were not following the Lord, had captured the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence of God. The Ark of the Covenant was inhabiting the presence of God, so, so full of his presence that when a man touched it, he, he died. I mean, that's how uh, powerful this Ark was because of the presence of God that was upon it, that when the Philistines captured the Ark of the Covenant, they brought it into the house of Dagon, where Dag- the idol was pictured. And the, after the first night, the Philistines come back and they find Dagon on his face. And after the next night, they find him on his face with his head cut off and his arms cut off, his hands cut off. His feet weren't cut off because he didn't have any. Because he was a merman. But the temptation to follow gods like this is, is because the enemy tries to warp perception from reality. The enemy will always try to put a carrot in front of you to tempt you, to draw away from God's actual destination for you, his actual plan for you, and, 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 and this temptation will build up, and so oftentimes you'll sell yourself short following a false God. We might not serve a merman, we serve the me-man. Me, 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 it's all about me. We serve the me-man God, where it's like, if it, if it makes me feel comfortable, if it makes me feel good, if it's what I desire, then it's probably something that's good. And we end up, instead of serving what God wants and bringing our level of standard up to what he wants and realize that we're actually created for him, God doesn't exist for us, we were created for him, then we won't serve just our own fleshly desires. We'll actually do things full of joy, even though there's suffering in it. We'll actually lay our life down and, and serve someone. We, we might even sacrifice of our finances or our, our clothing or of our time because we realize that this is what God wants of our lives. And I know this isn't like a fun, loving message where I'm just like, you know, and you, he just wants to give a car to you. He wants to give a car to you. And, uh, you know, you get a car and you get a car. No, I mean... Yes, God wants good things for you. You're his children. He loves you. But th- these aren't the sources of joy. 
The sources of joy are, are only in him. And that's why I can go. I've been to 37 different nations. That's why I can go to some of the poorest nations and some of the poorest villages and seeing people who only have literally one shirt, one pair of pants, and have the biggest smile on their face because they're just so happy of what they have in Jesus. It's beyond all earthly good. You say, well, how is that possible? The unbeliever might not ever kind of understand that because it's challenging their comfortability. I, I, I downloaded a few fun, I like to be multi-interacting in, uh, in our services. I downloaded a, a, some funny, um, percep- you know, because the enemy tries to take things and make the perception of things warped. And, uh, and, and so there's some fun things like Instagram versus reality. You know, on the left is the actual Instagram picture. It looks so posh. It looks like, oh man, they must have a nice rug. Really, it's a cat. <laughs> Just thought... It's like the enemy. He like shows you something. Oh, that looks really nice. And then you realize, no, nope, it's totally not exactly what you thought. The next one uh, is this. And, and I love this. I actually follow people on some social media who, who live this van life where it's like, man, they just, they see the best sunsets and they're living right on the beach and there's this dog. And uh, man, I want that. I just want to run away and surf and have a dog. I don't even surf. And, uh, and just... And, and no craziness of life. And, and as I started reading about you know, uh, their lives and just like, man, what are people doing? How are they living this? What's it actually like to live this lifestyle? See, they just show you that one good bit. This is actually 90% of the time they have to park in parking lots because you actually need a permit to park on a beach and it's hard to get. And a lot of places don't let you just sleep and leave your vehicle anywhere except Walmart. So the majority of the time, they're sitting in Walmart parking lots. Now I'm not saying that that life uh, isn't what they're called to. That might be what they're called to. But I'm just saying the enemy will only show you the beauty of something and not the horribleness of it. And I don't wanna show pictures of sin, so I'm using a different iteration here, okay? Here's a, here's a funny picture. There's the, the one on the left is a beautiful picture someone posted about where they live, and someone saw it and said, well, that is a bunch of crock, and so they took a picture of what that place really looks like and says, you photoshopped a whole field of tulips and put a rainbow over it. <laughs> this is reality. And by the way, if I just saw the picture on the, excuse me, on the right, I would say, that's beautiful. But what's the enemy or what do people try to do? They try to make what's not real there and try to overstate the reality. We, I think we have one more, right, John? Yeah, John, Jeff. There's another one. Beautiful cottage on the, on the right-hand side, nice winding road. But no, we're gonna make it look like, um, uh, what's that, Wizard of Oz, you know? <laughs> Just like, wow. All right, thanks. You know, I find about sin and the temptation, it, sin always takes you farther than you wanna go and keeps you longer than you wanna stay. It'll see if you'll follow the road into death and put up with all the downside. It's always short-term pleasure and it'll never have full joy that Jesus can provide, that his presence can provide. All right, verse five. says, the Lord is my chosen portion and my cup. You hold my lot. And the lines, this word, the lines, is a, is a Hebraic uh, metaphor for the blessings of God have fallen for me in pleasant places. 
Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. Now, this is interesting for David to say because he's saying it prophetically because he's trusting to believe the word over his life from the prophet Samuel. He's on the run. He doesn't have any inheritance right now. There is no priestly, there is no kingly uh, inheritance for him because Saul is trying to hunt him down and kill him. But he's choosing to believe in the call on his life that one day he will be a king. And he's choosing to believe that his, even though he doesn't see this inheritance, he has this inheritance. This is such a messianic scripture. It's such a prophetic scripture because you might not realize it, but you have a spiritual inheritance that God has for you. Not only is it for us to get into heaven, but there are things that God releases heaven into us by his Holy Spirit that he's provided for us through his sacrifice. And we can now live a sanctified life. We can now live a life that's not subjected to the actual vices of this world. And we can have this joy that's in, incomprehensible, uh, incomprehensible in, in other places. All right, let's keep going. I know I usually don't preach like this, but I thought, man, I just wanna preach this whole psalm. So we're just walking through it. Oh, thanks, Dan. He says, I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. Also, my heart instructs me. Now, this is actually something really significant and special. You know, people don't realize that God doesn't, God doesn't uh, stop ministering to you when you're sleeping. God ministers to you in your sleep. I've had so many, I think sometimes uh, we, we disregard dreams that were happening because we just think we just had too much pizza that night. And the reality is the Lord's speaking to you in your dream. Sometimes the Lord doesn't even, I don't even know the Lord spoke to me. I just know the fruit of it. I might go to, I might be in my bed praying with full of heartache, full of heaviness, and I'm praying in my room and I'm praying at, and, I'm, and I'm doing my pillow talk with God and all of a sudden it's morning. And in the morning, the heaviness is gone and a peace is on me. And I don't think for, I don't have a doubt in my mind that God was actually ministering to me in the night. And he ministers to you in the night. If you ask him to, Lord, I just minister to me in, the, in my sleep. David talks about this. You're being ministered to by the Lord in your sleep. And in the morning, your heart just instructs you. Oh, all of a sudden I have this peace now I never knew I could have before. All right, he says, I've always set the Lord, or I set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand, I shall not be shaken. David has made a purpose in his life and he knew that this is a choice. I'm going to have the Lord always before me. And because I have him always before me, because he's always, because I'm always in his presence, because I choose him first, I will not be shaken. We spoke about it, I think it was last week in Hebrews, or maybe two weeks ago, where it says, you know, that God will shake the things that need to be shaken so that the things that need to remain will remain. And that happens because we, we kind of build our own structures, the additions in our life that we think that are for our good and really are not for our good. And so when shaking happens in our lives, the things that need to remain, God kind of breaks everything off and it's like, well, this is actually what needs to be the center of your life, which is him. I know in March 2020, a lot of things were shaking, right? 
Financially, a lot of people had some shaking going on. Their jobs, a lot of people had shaking going on in their job place. Um, Their uh, health, a lot of people had some shaking going on since March 2020. But what happened in the shaking? I was reading a prophetic word from a friend I really respect because he's actually a prophet that carries a prophetic word and not a prophetic opinion. Tired of hearing too many prophetic opinions and realizing, man, this, this person is... You can so see it. This is their opinion of something. Or I see the fruit of it and go, what you said there was obviously an opinion because if it was the Lord, it would have happened. And it wasn't the Lord because it didn't happen. And so that's your prophetic opinion. I'm tired of prophetic opinions. I want prophetic words that come from God. And, uh, and so he was talking about this, he was talking about a prophetic word, and he was saying in March 2020, this is January, he was saying that the Lord was gonna refine the church and he was gonna break off so many things that have made us fat. And man, in 2020, do you know over 60% of, uh, up to 60% of churches have lost their congregants during the time of COVID? I mean, they're not even streaming. They're, they're gone. And I'm so thankful for the ones who can't be here but are streaming. You're a part of our con- congregation. We love you. And we know there's certain reasons why you can't be here. But, but beyond that, Many of them had not come back. But you know what I think? I think, God, well, just continue to purify us. God, continue to purify them. I want them to come back so that they can know you. But I don't want people just to come here and be entertained. Are you not entertained? I think that's a famous movie quote. This is not a spectator sport in our church. This is a participant sport. We, not sport, it's a participation. We, we come, we participate in worship. We participate in hearing the word. We participate in ministering to one another and sharing God's love with one another. All right. Verse nine, therefore my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices and my flesh also dwells secure. Have you ever had your whole being rejoice? Seriously, I want you to think about your life recently, maybe in the past seasons or two. Where is your joy level up to? I mean, some people I know their joy is like up to their knees and they, they gotta pump the well to get a smile on their face. Like, man, it's there. It's just, it's a little low right now. And I think that a lot of it stems from where we're actually going for this source of joy. Man, a whole being of manifested joy in your life, it's like you're so ecstatic. I mean, I've been in the presence of the Lord. Have you, you know, there's a term in the, in, in the world called love drunk. Or, or they get so drunk, they're, they're love drunk. So it's like uh, they drink too much alcohol, they become drunk, and they just love everything. Man, I love you, man. I love you. You're so, they might not even know them, and all of a sudden, they're just confessing their love to them. And then there's another time where people just get angry and horrible, and so it's horrible. But, but you know, that's a perversion of truth. Because when you get so much joy from the Lord, when you really feel his presence, his manifested presence like this, because I have, it's like I get love drunk. I'm just like, I love you, man. I love you, sis. I love you. I mean, I just, I have this uncontrollable joy and love for people. That's the truth. That's the reality. And so for us to have the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. So to be in his presence, our whole being rejoices. For you will not abandon my soul to hell or let your Holy One see corruption. 
You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. There's been seasons of sorrow, seasons of, I know a lot of us, struggle and seasons of heartache. But I wanna encourage you that in the midst of these seasons, there is a tremendous source of joy that's waiting for you. He's just waiting for you to put him first and come into his presence. And it's time for you to get filled up. Why don't you stand? I wanna pray for you guys. I wanna pray for you guys that his presence would manifest to you, that you would feel his presence increase in your life and that you would feel the joy, the source of joy. Your joy would fill up to fullness. I had a, you know, this past week, it was a heavy week. You know, I, heard, you know, I had a, a, things that, you know, being a pastor, you're, you're listening to a lot of people's heartache and, and there's a lot of different struggles and, and you, you try to, uh, and, and you empathize with them and you're carrying this and, and I just think, Lord, I just, we need you. We need more of you. We don't have enough of you. We need more. Yes, biblically, he's done it all. It's paid for, it's here. It's like you have this checking account of $100 billion, but if you don't withdraw from it, it doesn't mean a thing to you. And listen, what Jesus has done is priceless, and he's paid for so much for us. It's time to withdraw from that account. It's time, it's time to write some checks and say, God, okay, I wanna enter into everything you provided for me. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that in your presence is the fullness of joy. Jesus, you, prof you also talk about this in John 15. You talk about abiding in you and in your love and your love abiding in us so that we could experience your joy and that our joy would be full. You prophesy of this. Lord, I'm tired of walking around with 10% joy, 20% joy. Lord, I'm not looking for some just ecstatic moment of happiness. What I'm looking for is the solid source of joy that comes from you, that allows me to, in my suffering, in my heartache, in the hard work, in the tragedy, whatever it might be, knowing that your presence is with me. I've put you before our, that we put you before ourselves and that we would follow your joy, that we would be full of your joy and full of your presence, that our whole being would rejoice. God, if we haven't been experiencing that, Lord, I pray that you would fill us with that right now. God, we, store, we steward your presence. We know that you're here. We know that you're tangible. God, I just pray right now that you would release it. A manifested glory of your presence, Lord. We break away all the lies of the enemy that's trying to torment you, that's trying to make you serve the me God. Lord, we want to be those holy ones set apart for you. And I just hear this impression of the Lord. I, I feel like some of you are even struggling with this and putting the Lord first in your life. And I just want to ask you, how's it going for you not having him first? How's that working out for you? I feel like the Lord's asking that to some of you. 
How's that working out for you? Because you're in the same spot. God, we want to make you first so that all things follow after that. God, we want to be connected to the source of goodness. God, we have such gratitude for you. Lord, I pray for a blessing upon the people here tonight, God, or today, that they would just be full of your, uh, that your, their houses would be full of your presence, that their car would be full of your presence, that wherever they go, they would be carriers of your presence, and that things and atmospheres would change because of the presence of God on their life. God, I pray for their children. I just wanna, and, and for the youth, I just come against the spirit of death on the youth of this generation. We just break it right now in Jesus' name. We break it and we speak life over them in Jesus' name. We speak the fullness of joy in Jesus' name. God, I pray that you would open the eyes of youth and anyone really who's watching these Instagram things and things that are warped perceptions of reality that we would wake up to knowing that all that is just fades away in the light of your glory. And so Lord, I bless them in Jesus' name, amen. We wanna invite our ministry team. If you're on the ministry team, please come forward right now. Feel free to come forward. Um, we wanna pray with you. If you need healing in your body, if, you need, um, if you're going through something, you want someone to pray with you, if you need deliverance, if you need some sort of uh, answer from God. We want to pray with you. Um, so come forward. We invite you forward. We had someone come and visit us during our staff prayer time on Wednesday at 10 a.m. Uh, he was experiencing headaches and uh, he just ended up sitting down. I said, hey man, what's going on? He's like, I, I just have such headaches that I haven't, you know, it's been affecting his work. He hasn't been able to work and his doctors can't sort it out. And so out of desperation, he just came to church and we prayed for him just like two, three short prayers and his migraines, gone. Just instantly gone. So if, you, if you're struggling in that area, just come up. We wanna pray with you. Other than that, bless you guys. Have an amazing week. Thanks for coming to church. For those of you who can, we appreciate you. It makes it feel so great to see the family, see your faces. Those joining online, thank you for joining us. We love you and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care.